0: As I was thinking about what to speak on, there's a word that just, kept, that just kept popping up in my mind. And the word is purpose. Purpose. I don't know why, but the word is purpose. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke on how successful people have three things in life. They have passion, they have persistence, and they have patience. But then we talked about the fourth P, and is they have purpose to their life. Last week, Jay Richardson hit on how purpose is found in trusting God for all things. Now, it's at church where you expect to hear things like this. But this week I was asking myself, do we really get it? Do we fully grasp what our purpose is to the point that it transforms our lives outside of just these walls. Sometimes I think we forget our purpose. We get so wrapped up in our purpose, we forget what our purpose is. Um, I feel like I want to tell you this. I'll just throw it out there. Today I'm going to start a series of messages that I have preached at one other time. Um, I'm very careful whenever I do things like this. And making sure God, that's what God wants me to do. And this word purpose just kept coming back. So I'm going to obey the Lord. And so for a number of weeks we're going to discuss this topic. And if we, mankind, want to know why we were placed here on earth. We really need to start at the beginning, don't we? We need to start at the beginning. The title of the message today, I guess, the topic uh, for the next several weeks is purpose, but the title of the message, where did we come from? Where did we come from? Uh, Today, i just give you a little uh, warning. Today and next week is going to be a little bit of a different type message. Um, It's going to be, uh, I'm going to come at it from a little bit of a scientific, intellectual viewpoint, uh, that kind of an angle. So uh, if you'll just bear with me, some of you may really enjoy some of the information I'm going I'm to share with you today. But we need to start there. Where did we come from? Recently, a, d- a discovery of about 1,500 skeleton remains was found in an African cave. Scientist Lee Berger is claiming that this discovery, this latest discovery, is the possible link between apes and humans. Uh, The bones represent about 15 people. Uh, They're thinking uh, uh, infants, juveniles, adults, That's, that's what they're thinking. And because of his assumptions... Lee Berger has created a new biological species name and they created what they believe this creature would look like and that is what they believe it would look like. Um, The biological species name is now Homo naledi. And note the biological classification that they used. The Homo there, that is short for Homo sapien signifying human origin. Berger claiming that they are 2 to 3 million years old, and he said, quote, this animal is right on the cusp of transitioning from ape to human. Is this true? Are we really the result of an ongoing, always mutating, always evolving process? And if this is indeed true, if we did come from apes, what does this do to our purpose in life? What does this do to our reason for even being here? Have you ever thought of those kind of questions? To begin our journey, we need to go back, as I said, to the beginning. The garden. The garden. As Adam and Eve took the bite out of the apple, I believe, I can just picture it in my mind, I can believe that Satan just kind of slithered back into the shadows and he began to laugh. Can you just picture that in your mind? He just began to laugh. And since that moment in time, Satan has made it his job in life to entice and tempt the human heart. And each time all along the history of mankind, each time that mankind has taken a bite out of his apple, he has slithered back into the shadows. And he's laughed. And I think you'll see what I mean as we go here. Let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, 1 through 5 says this. In the beginning God... Now we could just stop right there and this is a whole another series of messages but in the beginning god god was in the beginning in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the waters then god said let there be light and there was light and god saw the light and it was good God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Again, coming at this today, next week, more from the scientific intellectual side, uh, we have to attack the topic of a day. In order to attack this, we must address the six-day creation story in The Bible. You see, many think that the Big Bang theory, uh, those who adhere to the Big Bang theory, they believe that um, due to a cataclysmic eruption, explosion involving a small volume of matter, they believe that as soon as the Big Bang took place, the universe was about the size of a baseball what they believe. We can imagine how expanse the universe is. Today it blows my mind, but they believe the universe was just about this big, and that it originated some 10 to 20 billion years ago. Now, while many of us in the church today, we do not adhere, now this is an important point, while many in the church today don't adhere to the Big Bang Theory, many in the churches today are starting to consider or even believe that God may have taken millions and billions of years to create the earth. That a day in Genesis really could be millions of years. But as we will see, how one views a day can be very, very important. The Hebrew word for day is yom. Y-O-M. Yom. And it can either mean a 24-hour day or an indefinite period of time. We know that many times your translations may say, in the day of the Lord. That's kind of like an indefinite period of time. However, the word yom... In the Old Testament is never used to refer to a definite long period of time beyond 24 hours. Let me say that again. The word yom in the Old Testament is never used to refer to a definite long period of time beyond 24 hours. The Genesis story tells us that God made the heavens and the earth in six days, then he rested on the sixth. God also repeated this back when He gave the Ten Commandments and He talked about keeping the Sabbath day holy. When He said, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. As we read this commandment, we believe that God is speaking of 24-hour days, not an infinite day time of day, thus linking the creation story to one 24-hour period of time. But we must be clear on this, and this is of utmost importance if you're looking at this topic. The six days in Genesis do not represent millions and billions of years. Now some of you may be saying, now pastor, I thought, don't they have that carbon-14 dating and all that? We've heard about that. Doesn't that prove that the world is millions and millions of years old? Come back next week and we'll talk about that. To change this 24-hour day into millions and billions of years is is essentially changing what the Bible says. And as you will see, these types of changes can have catastrophic effects. The definition of creationism is this, the belief that an intelligent being is responsible for the creation of life. The the belief that an intelligent being is responsible for the creation of life. Our Our modern scientific world says that in order to believe that, in order to believe that an intelligent, supernatural, omnipotent God created all there is, you have to check your brains at the door. That's what they say today. But is this true? Can we really believe that an intelligent, supernatural, divine being created life, can we still believe that, and claim to be intelligent. You can see what this slithering snake is trying to do down through the years, can't you? Because what they're doing is they're casting doubt upon the Bible. To believe in the Bible is the utmost important aspect here. And if man does not believe in the Bible, and if man does not believe in the Genesis account, then that leads him to doubt the Bible altogether. And when man doubts the Bible, all of life comes into question. All of life then becomes relative. It sounds like such a simple, easy word, but it's a dangerous word. And when life in the Bible becomes relative, mankind is free to develop any source of reality that they want. And back in 1859, a man did exactly this. He treated the Bible with relativity and life became relative to him. And his actions have led to one of the biggest apostasies known to mankind. Some of you may know who I'm speaking of. This man was named Charles Darwin. Charles Darwin. Born on February 12, 1809, in Shrewsbury, England, he was originally a part of the Church of England, interestingly enough. But he soon rejected any biblical truths that he may have known and he became an agnostic. A geologist who eventually became a naturalist and he began looking for the answers to life's most troubling questions like, Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? And in search of those, and by the way, you and I work every day with people looking for the answers to those questions. Every day we talk to someone at the grocery store who really wants to know why they're here. At the mall. At Walmart, Maybe that person in the cubicle next to you, and the bank teller cubicle next to you. Every day, we're facing people who are asking those questions. He began looking for the answers. And that to him, the Bible just became uh, just fairy tale. Until one day in 1859, he authored the now famous book, On the Origin of Species those of you who are teachers in our public school systems can stand up and probably talk more than I can about the impact that he has had upon the school system. Uh, His book was the first major book on evolution. And from that book, he said this. He said, Life was created through an unguided and mindless process. And that our existence is therefore a fluke rather than a planned outcome. What's that do to our purpose in life? We have no purpose, right? We're all a big mistake. Why am I even here? And the day that this book hit the bookshelves, back in 1859, Satan slithered into the shadows and laughed. You see, Charles Darwin believed that life began with a single cell. Then that cell turned into soup. (laughs) And then that soup eventually evolved to make plants. And then that then evolved into protozoa. And then from that came fish and amphibians and reptiles, then birds, then mammals, then apes, ultimately until we arrived. But here's the reason why I said how one views the length of a day is so important. That's why I started off with Genesis 1. What was the one thing that Charles Darwin needed the most in order to propagate his theory? What was the one thing that he needed more than anything to say what he said is fact? He needed that right there. Time. You see, Darwin said long periods of time, millions and billions of years were needed in order to allow the various changes and mutations to occur over the years. Once we allow ourselves to believe it could have been millions and billions of years, we immediately open up ourselves to the dangerous possibilities that leave God out of the equation. And you can even see down through history and down through time and the last 50, 60, 70 years how, man, how have we changed. Mm. How about our effects on our society? Now as Christians, we can just kind of bury our head in the sand and act as though we don't care. We know what we believe. We don't believe any of that evolutionary stuff. But let me contend and let me remind you that while the Church was sleeping on this issue. Charles Darwin initiated one of the biggest apostasies known to mankind. His theories have not only changed the world of science, but it's changed our society's view of God entirely. And we, as believers, need to be aware of what's going on, church. We need, that. We need to know. We need to study. We need to show ourselves to prove we need to be aware What do I mean? How do I have proof? 1995, this was 20-some years ago, the American National Association of Biology Teachers made the following statement. Listen to this. They said this, The diversity of life on earth is the outcome of evolution, an unsupervised, impersonal, unpredictable and natural process of temporal descent with genetic modification that is affected by natural selection. Chance, historical contingencies and changing environments. And that, for several years, has just been infiltrating our schools and our textbooks and our kids' minds. Michael Denton, a molecular biologist, said this, The Darwinian view of nature, more than any other, is responsible for the agnostic and skeptical outlook of the 20th century. It is a theory that literally changed the world. How many of you remember a guy by the name of Carl Sagan? Let me see your hands. Carl Sagan, yes. have to be a little bit older to remember him. But Carl Sagan, major spokesman for the traditional view of evolution. Astronomer, Pulitzer Prize winner, host and co-writer of famous TV series The Cosmos. Author of the book The Cosmos was on the New York Times best-seller list for 70 weeks. In his book, Sagan simply states, Evolution is a fact, not a theory. This teaching, this bombardment of supposed fact, not only has infiltrated our schools and universities, it is leading the way in the bombardment of our children's young minds. And if it can get our kids while they're young, it stands a good chance of getting them once they walk out into our secular campuses and universities. Leading them away from the Bible. I was actually having a conversation last week with Dalton, right? Some of your professors or some of your teachers are along this line of thinking. I mean, just the antagonism, the hatred that they have for anything Christianity is fierce in the world. Has evolution had an impact on society's view of God? Dr. Colin Brown said this, By far the most potent single factor to undermine popular belief in the existence of God in modern times is the evolutionary theory of Charles Darwin. Again, what do you think this does? a 17, 18, 20, 21 year old's perspective on purpose. Purpose. And as our children and our colleges and our university students take a bite out of the apple, Satan slithers into the shadows and laughs. Now we'll say this, there is a change that is brewing in the academic arena and the scientific arena, even as far back as the 1970s and 80s, a movement within the scientific world began to raise questions about evolution. You'll find this a little interesting. A new generation of scientists began to shed a bad light on Mr. Darwin's theory, but it's amazing how you won't hear about this on many of the news shows and the newspapers. You won't hear about this. British paleontologist Colin Patterson, he started asking disturbing questions. And he was lecturing to a staff of geologists at the American Museum of Natural History in New York, and he asked this question to all of them. Tell me one thing you know for sure about evolution. Just one thing. The only answer that he received from the entire room was silence. They couldn't say anything. They didn't know what to say. He then tried it on members of the morphology department at the University of Chicago, a very prestigious group of evolutionists. He asked them the same question, name me one thing that you know for sure about evolution, and the only response that he got back there was silence. <laughs> Patterson said it was soon that he realized all of his life he had been tricked into thinking that evolution was a fact, contrary to what Carl Sagan said. It was at this time that he experienced a shift in his thinking. He no longer looked at evolution as a known fact, but as a faith. Isn't that interesting? How many people are living by this as a faith? he said one of his main reasons for his skepticism was that he could no longer find any real evidence of evolution. No real evidence, for example, where there is a fossilized fish that gradually was developing arms or vice versa. There were no birds that had gills. They're not out there. Another skeptic, a non-Christian scientist, Fred Hoyle, Famous for his research on the origins of the universe, claims that believing that the first cell originated by chance is like believing that a tornado swept through a junkyard filled with airplane parts and built a seven forty seven. (laughs) Non-Christian. Maybe I've just started to whet your appetite. I don't know. We're going to continue this next week. But let me give you a little bit of information on our friend. Homo Naledi. By the way, what I'm about ready to tell you, you're really not going to hear on what we call the drive-by media. (laughs) You're not going to hear it out there on the main news networks. One thing that I discovered, and, and one thing you can do is go to Answers in Genesis down in the Cincinnati area and in Kenham. Incredible amount of information. If, if you get into this kind of stuff, um, so get on that website, Answers in Genesis. But this is what we know about the 1,500 skeletal parts that were found. The size of the skull is way too small to be human. It's about the size of an orange. But ironically enough, it is very consistent with a lot of the apes that they know exist. The sloped ape-like faces, and by the way, that's just their rendition of what they think it looked like. But according to the skeletal descriptions and, and and the way that the skeletons come together these sloped ape-like faces the jaw the shoulder joints the curved the curved finger joints the hips the rib cages they're all consistent with various species of tree swinging apes I once heard somebody say look my ancestors may have swung from trees but it wasn't from their tails I can tell you that There is no proof here whatsoever of an evolutionary bridge. But you'll never hear about this. I asked my kids the other day, if we are just here by chance, what does it do for your purpose and your reason for living? Why do we get up in the morning? let just stop there for a second. That's a scary thought, is it not? But aren't you glad that we know where we came from? Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. God, our Creator, said that He made us in His own image. And He has given us, not animals, the capacity to know Him. Listen, I believe that the moment... The very moment that human conception is formed, the moment that human conception takes place in the womb, at that very moment, purpose is given to that individual. Right at that moment. God immediately, even before then, I believe David said, even before I was formed in my mother's womb, you had a plan and a purpose for my life. Before. God help us. God forgive us for being a country that is killing by the millions. Let me close. Satan does not care what you believe. Kids, those of you in school, grade school now, I'm sure this is coming on in grade school, elementary school, junior high, high school, kids. Satan does not care what you believe. There has recently been uh, 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 an upsurge of maybe not so much evolution anymore, but now uh, an evolutionary thought of the universe, uh, that our existence really came from the universe. And you see, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you believe, just don't believe in Jesus. Just don't do that. That's what Satan is trying to keep us all from doing. From day one, his number one goal has been to steal, kill. And destroy. And if he can put it in the hearts and the minds of mankind that there is no God, then he has stolen once again. Purpose. What is your purpose? Where does your purpose come from? It's the start of this series. Uh, A little different. Let me know what you think. Give me your text. Send me your text. Uh, send me an email. Tell me, uh, 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 give me your thoughts. And uh, we'll continue this journey next week. Let's, uh, let's pray. God, I know this was a different kind of message. Uh, Lord, we're trying to lay the groundwork, though. We're, we're trying to debunk what has been said. We're trying to declare truth. And a world, Lord, not just a state, not just a country, but Lord, a world that has been influenced by one man. But we know of another one man who came to give his life. Who came to die for us. Who came to change the entire world. And his one act paved the way so that not only could all of mankind have their sins forgiven but all of mankind could have a purpose thank you god for that lord if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know what their purpose is i pray that they'll grab me or they'll grab someone that want to talk about it help them to understand that there is purpose there is hope for their life it doesn't matter how how low life is, it doesn't matter how discouraging life is, there is a purpose for them. Not to buy into Satan's lies. We know that as evolution continues to be proven wrong, he'll just come up with different things. Lord, thank You for being our reason for living. Thank You, God. I pray that we'll come back next time and continue this. and. Will be strengthened, and someone, Lord, will be brought to the cross. Someone will be brought close to you, Lord. Lord, this week I pray that we'll really ask ourselves what is my purpose? Do I know what my purpose is? Thank you for being the answer to that. Thank you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.